Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Benchtown TV. This is Brian here with Jimmy. And today we're going to be covering episode three of the Disney Plus original series, Loki. This episode is entitled Lamentous. And once again, we're a man down here, rips in the chat for Paul, but I know he's fuming to not be here with us because what an episode. I enjoyed this one a lot. We kind of left the exposition and the world building and just the knowledge dump on everything going on in the TVA behind. And we got to focus on this relationship that is kind of developing and blossoming between Sylvie and Loki. Um, I really appreciated this episode and sometimes episodes like that can be boring when they take a step back from the main plot and two people just go on a crazy adventure. But I I think we needed it to develop this relationship. And I, I thought they nailed it. Really well done. Yeah, totally agreed. It, again, rips in the chat for Paul. He texted us and he was so happy with the episode. He loved it, but it, it's a shame. Again, he can't make it. Two out of three he can't make for this uh, podcast. But like you said, this was a phenomenal episode. I think it might have been the strongest. I would have to go back and think about it. I really did like episode two. But the thing that I want to talk about first is how great Marvel is at casting. I mean, Sylvie, people were actually trying to say just by her first appearance that they didn't like the Sylvie character and the and the casting for her. And people were, were fighting back on it saying, how can you say that? And I agree. How can you say that? Because she was phenomenal in this episode. She's such a great character. I really hope that she sticks around. We'll have to see, obviously. But her and her and Loki's dynamic is really good. And just like Loki and Mobius dynamic, this writing has been really, really good. Yeah, it's really interesting because they are both Lokis. So they have they kind of share the same past and they can bond over that. But at the same time, Sylvie's a little bit of a hothead and she's obviously pissed off that Loki's interfering with his plan that we find out she's been devising for years and years. But and, you know, I actually kind of agreed with some of the gripes like, oh, do I really like this actress? Because in the beginning, I thought she was just being a little bit overly angry and overdoing the acting. But that was for the episode. You know, she was supposed to be like that in the beginning. And then she kind of warms up and, and they start getting along a little bit. And by the end, absolutely I thought the acting performance was fantastic by her, especially from like, I I love when they bring in lesser known actors and they just kill the role. Uh, She's making it hers and I'm all in. She's also had a couple badass fight sequences. And I know we had some gripes with the fight choreography, but it is back. It is back. It is back. And we might as well put this on the table right now. Last episode with Chilling with Villains and during our episode for the little preview to Chilling with Villains, we talked about the chance that she may be Enchantress Sylvie Lustin. I don't know about you, Brian, but at this point, I'm just taking it like the MCU, Kevin Feige, the writers, whoever you want to say, is just kind of mixing two characters together just to have one one original character so i do believe it's still going to be lady loki but it's just going to be a little bit of an enchantress kind of spin to it um she does say in the episode that sylvie pretty much well she acts like sylvie isn't her birth name and it was she Mm -hmm. says i don't want to be called loki so i went with sylvie and alias I think it's going to be a mixture of enchantress and lady loki but in the end it is going to be another version of loki For sure. And she did say, you know, don't call me a variant. Don't call me Loki. I'm Sylvie now. But 
at least one time towards the end of the episode. I think it was when she reveals that the TVA is all variants. We'll get into that later. She said they're variants just like us. Right. So that was an admission that she is, in fact, a Loki variant. So I think we're on the same page. I think Lady Loki confirmed, but there's definitely going to be some of those enchantress elements to the character. They kind of do this in The Mandalorian where they just pull from the lore and they just kind of merge and combine the stuff that they like and kind of match it together into something new and awesome. That's why that's sorry to interrupt you. And that's why it's pretty interesting. Your theory last week about the judge, because I think that there is going to be some merit to what you had to say, except she will be some kind of merging another kind of merged type of character. But that means that part of what you said is going to be true too, which is very exciting. Uh, We are so on the same page. My (laughs) mind immediately went to that character as well. And who knows, she could be a variant of the character that I was describing, you know? So exactly. They do have the same name. She could just be a different Ravona Renslayer. But I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So why don't we just start diving into this Let's thing? Let's do it. Okay. First off, the opening credit scene starts off with a banger. The it Marvel does. Studios is picking some bobs for the music. First in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. And now with this, it's called I Do Want to Give the Artist Some Credit because I downloaded it immediately. It is called <laughs> Demons by Haley Kiyoko. Absolute bop. I was grooving already first minute into the episode, but we open up and it is Sylvie. And did you recognize her as C20 right from the get go? It's the uh... I I did actually. So Mm. I I didn't know exactly what was going down, but I did recognize her because only probably because it previews right into the, the beginning episode and they show her a lot in the preview previously on. So I got it right away. And then, of course, you know, we we get the swerve that it's her uh, enchanting her, if I may say so myself, enchant. Oh, you're allowed to. Yeah, they they did a sturdy because they have been calling it enchanting the entire time, which just uh, lays more credence to the fact that she's not enchantress. It's been a red herring all along. But this was a really cool scene. And we kind of bring it full circle later on that this is how the enchanting power works for her when she's dealing with someone who has a stronger mind. She can't just immediately take them over. She has to work and kind of confuse them and distract them within their own subconscious. So it is C20 and Sylvie both wearing just normal street clothes, shooting the shit at a restaurant, sipping margaritas. They're besties. And they have this brain freeze dialogue you know, try and answer me a question while you have a brain freeze. I bet you can. And we think it's going to be a dumb question. And she says, how many people are guarding the timekeepers? And immediately the entire vibe just changes. And C20 is kind of putting together something that's happening, but she's in a trance. So obviously she doesn't fully understand. Right. Um, And I think she asks again, like, where do I find the timekeepers? She's trying to obviously figure out information about them. And C20 does finally yield to her that they can be found on the golden elevators. And that's really all she says. And how crazy is it that after all this, and we're talking about, you know, how hard it is to find the timekeepers. No one's ever talked to them, or at least that's what we think. And then it's, oh, wait, they're at the top floor in the golden elevators. That's all you got to do. Hit the button, go up, you know, and you get to the timekeepers if they exist. If they exist. If they exist. Yeah, you're not sold on the timekeepers. I'm not sold. It's got to be someone out there pulling the strings, but we press on. We flash to reality, and I kind of like that they filled us in on 
Lady Loki's half of that whole Alabama Superstore saga because we didn't really know exactly what she was doing to C20 and we get it here mm-hmm. and we kind of pick up in the scene where she sees Loki and Mobius coming on the monitors and then we flash forward again to where we left episode two. Sylvie emerges from the time gate uh, that we saw her and Loki jump into. And the right. time gate was leading back to the TVA, which we did not know until right now. Sylvie starts whooping up on some guards. Um, but noteworthy that her enchantments don't work because obviously it's the TVA. That's also noteworthy because it seems like she's never been there before because she should know that her powers wouldn't work and she was surprised. Yep. Okay, cool. So Loki emerges a few seconds later and just kind of chases after her and confronts her. And Loki kind of starts proposing immediately. I thought we were both Lokis. Let's work together and cause some mischief. She's having none of it. She obviously has a plan set. She's sticking to it and just tries to take out Loki, who is himself a worthy combatant. So they kind of go to a stalemate and then Rabona Renslayer shows up and they both know that it's time to dip. Loki takes the initiative to put a time gate right below them. They fall into, assumedly, an apocalypse. Um, and we find out later that it is the planet Lamentus One, or rather the moon Lamentus right. One. And while we're at it, let's do a little bit of an Easter egg here. Uh, Lamentus One is in the comics. It's not used a lot. It's used sparingly, but it exists on the outer rim of the Kree Empire. And there is some kind of storyline that has to do with the Guardians of the Galaxy with Lamentus One, and it's actually the iteration that we know and love from the MCU. But like you said, it this occurs on the moon. It's Lamentus One itself that's actually causing the apocalypse because it's it's breaking apart. But just just to give the listeners an idea, it does exist in the in the Marvel Comics universe. Gotcha. Love those Easter eggs. So. Sylvie and Loki are on this mining moon of Lamentus One, and Sylvie gets up, immediately goes to check on the Tempad, and sees that it's out of battery. So they are stuck on this moon. Loki gets up, and he has magic again. They start to scrap. You know, he he takes care of Sylvie, if you will, throws her against the wall, and gets the Tempad for himself. And in Loki fashion, he hides it. So he's holding all the cards in this situation. Now Sylvie needs him and he needs Sylvie. They're going to have to work together to get off this. And when they're about to fight again, we see a meteor crash down right in between them. And they grasp the situation is, oh, shit, we're in an apocalypse. We're in some sort of immediate danger here. And they go run outside. Meteors falling all over the place. And they take shelter in this small little mining shack. Yeah. And you can tell that you can tell that Sylvie knows this apocalypse. She knows what's going on. And she obviously doesn't want to save Loki at this point, but she knows that he has the temp pad. So she needs him. And she realizes that, like you said, that he's saving her because he needs her. There's no kind of camaraderie here yet. They're just using each other. So Loki does again, propose a truce just to help each other get off the moon. You know, we, we do need each other or we can just slaughter each other here. Sylvie is still sticking to her independence and hot-headedness and says hey that works for me if we just want to take each other out and loki loki's being very rational in this situation this whole episode minus the part in the train where he kind of goes off the deep end Hmm. he's being very rational and calm-headed um if there's one thing we know about our loki it's that he is a survivor he wants to survive and he will stay rational and calm to figure out ways to survive right 
So we find out Sylvie's pissed because this wasn't just a fluke of a plan. She's been conspiring against the TVA for years and years, devising this plot to take them out. So she's heated that he's interrupting it. And Sylvie just says, okay, we can work together a little bit. All we need to do is find an energy source large enough to power back up the temp ad. Easy enough. Just a time traveling wristwatch to take it to dimension. So it's not just going to be a AAA battery that they're looking for, unfortunately. So that leaves us with Sylvie and Loki just beginning to walk around this moon in search of an energy source. And Sylvie is still really pissed at Loki, but Loki's trying to make small talk and just keep her talking. That's all this guy does is talk and talk and talk. And the dialogue is just so money all the time. It is. It's again, how funny is it that in episode one, he doesn't want to talk and that's the joke with Mobius. Oh, whatever happened to the guy who doesn't want to talk? Now you won't ever stop talking. Yeah. So Sylvie insists here. She's still sticking to her guns, insists that don't call me Loki. Don't call me a variant. I'm Sylvie now. This is my alias. And (laughs) she actually says something to the effect of what makes Loki a Loki. And Loki says independence, authority and style. Style. Very definitive. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where Loki kind of calls Sylvie out. So what, your plan was to go to the TVA, the greatest power source in the universe, ruin it, and then leave the greatest power vacuum ever, and then just walk away. That was your plan. There there was no end game. Uh, There has to be a motive behind it. I don't think Lady Loki is that much of a chaos bringer. You know, I, I feel like she was trying to parlay that into something greater, but she is definitely keeping those cards close to her chest, which... Is kind of weird because this episode she has been given Loki a couple of her cards, you know? Yeah, she's been given some information, but she has been holding a lot back. And some of the bits of information that she does give, and we'll get to it in a little bit, it is important because obviously if we're going to go with the theory that she is actually Lady Loki, she could have and she will have a different past than our Loki because it's just a different timeline, a different multiverse. So that's fine. But this lady Loki or this or Sylvie is bringing up the fact that she's been running from the TVA her whole entire life. She didn't say fighting the TVA. She says running. So there's something about her past that put her on the TVA's watch list or something right from the get go. I mean, whether she's a variant or not, you know, Loki, if he stayed in his timeline, would have just finished off his timeline, but instead he veered off and that's why they had him on the watch list and went after him. How early did Sylvie go off the timeline, whether it was by accident or purposely, that's the kind of information we're going to need because she's definitely a different kind of Loki. Her past is definitely way different than our, our Loki's. So, and I think her, her past that we're referring to, even though time isn't really a thing anymore for her, was a very, very, very long time ago because when they're talking about the moms, she says something to the effect of, I barely remember mine at this point. It's just a blip in a dream. That doesn't happen in a hundred years, 200 years. That happens after a very long time. So I think she's been on the run for a while. And that's actually another credible remark to the theory that she's Loki because she's, that would mean she's a God who can live for hundreds and hundreds of of years. If she's Sylvie Lushton, I'm not fully uh, learn it on on the Enchantress character. So I don't know if she becomes immortal when she got Loki's powers, but she was a human to start, you know, uh, Sylvie Lustin. So again, we can research that. But for now, I'm still sticking with the Lady Loki theory. 
Completely agree. So as we move forward, the two arrive at a town which is already abandoned by people fleeing the apocalypse. And <laughs> they walk by like a, a little restaurant or something and Loki sees a neon sign. Yeah. And they do this bit like, oh, will that be enough to power it? And Lady Loki's playing along like, oh my gosh, it might be. I'm just checking the coupler here. Give me the temp pad. Loki's like, come on. Like, no, you got to <laughs> do better than that. So they keep trotting onward and then they arrive at a house. And I really like this scene because of the juxtaposition of how both of them would approach this sort of a situation. Loki immediately says before they knock on this woman's door, diplomacy and guile is always better than brute force. Lady Loki tries brute force and gets blasted. Yep. And then Loki <laughs> tries to be nice and then he transforms into, you know, a replica of this woman's widow. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry. She's the widow to her husband or lover. Yeah. Thank you very much. And starts playing, oh, it's been so long, dear. You look beautiful. And he gets blasted by this woman <laughs> who, very short-lived, but I respected this woman's cojones. Yeah. Calls him right out, says, you guys aren't travelers. You're devils. What do you want? And they just ask her, where is everybody? Like, what do we do? And this is where we get the arc. Everybody is at the arc. It's this giant ship that's going to take everybody off the planet before the apocalypse. And you can get there by going on a train at the edge of town, but it's going to be hard to get a ticket. Yep. Yep. And we might as well bring it up right now because we love it. I was getting total the hundred vibes guys. We covered the hundred on this podcast season seven. If you don't know anything about it, it just, oh, everything was going for me. I was like, Oh, the hundred just because pretty much the very, very basic premise is that earth is no longer inhabitable and they have to live on the arc, a space station that is in outer space. And it was just a very similar vibe. And it, it was just, it was just bringing back some fond memories. Yeah, for sure. I actually just had a conversation last week with, a random person about the hundred and they were just like, yeah, like I didn't think anything of it because it was on the CW and then I got to watching it. Oh my gosh, what a show. So everybody do not sleep on the hundred. That is one of our passion pieces here at Finchtown TV, the hundred still on Netflix, right? Still on Netflix. Yep. Go watch it people. Anyway, back to Loki. Sylvie and Loki make their way to this train station where there's a long line of peasants, I guess, just blue collar workers, miners, whatever you will. And the rich people are like getting right on the train. This isn't like a big storyline at all. I don't know why I'm wasting time on it. But we again have the juxtaposition between Lady Loki and regular Loki's plans to just try and get on the train. Um, Lady Loki slash Sylvie, I'm just flip flopping between the two names, says... Okay, I'm going to enchant a guard. He's going to get us on the thing. You know, it's an actual plan. And Loki's just like, no, we're going to do this my way. And he just like goes behind her, transforms (laughs) himself into a guard. How do I look? And he's just like, so devil may care, walking through the line and just marching her up, does his fake accent to the guard guarding the door. Like, oh, I just got orders from HQ to take this one on board or whatever. And the guy asks him a very reasonable question. Okay, where's the ticket? doesn't have a ticket and he starts scrambling and that's when Sylvie takes over and chants the guy cools down the situation and has the guy reassure the higher up like nah these guys are good like let them on so that's handled they're on the train and this is where we get some of the meat of the episode I feel like is their their kind of heart-to-heart conversation here on the train Yeah, this is a lot of good information. Uh, It goes from talking about the past with his family and his mother. It talks about 
love their definitions of love and then it gets to the best part of the episode when our boy loki's hammered doing it big um but yeah let's let's break each part down here first is the family part right brian yeah specifically the mom so sylvie admits that loki's magic is good something like yeah i can't take over your mind because clearly somebody taught you decent magic and he says immediately says my mother That's where I got it. And he starts kind of like remembering her fondly. And we have to remember that he saw the vision of his mom getting killed, Dark World. And I did read that that hadn't happened to our Loki yet. So in this Loki's timeline, Frigga is still alive, correct? Yes. So our Loki right now is the 2012 Avengers Loki and Dark World would happen after that. So only... Only the slideshow is what he knows from anything after uh, Avengers 2012 when he was he was kidnapped or taken by by the Avengers. Tesseract falls. He transports. He's at the TVA. And there you go. That's it. So we were talking about how he doesn't have the exact same character development that our Loki did because our Loki actually lived through those experiences and felt the pain of accidentally it wasn't intentional but his mother died because of him um all the camaraderie that he finally has with thor and then sacrificing himself to thanos all of that experience it's only it's there a little bit to a smaller degree because he saw the slideshow but it's not exactly the same but we do know that he now knows from episode one I believe it's episode one, right? That he had a hand in his mother's death. And you could see the pain on his face when he's telling the story to uh, Sylvie about his mother and how she was good. She was a good person. You know, she was the queen of Asgard, you know? Purely decent. Exactly. So, (laughs) yeah, it's... And I was reading an interesting thing. It's, It's hard to pin that on Loki because he just said, like, pointed, yeah, go that way to the palace. There's no way of knowing he would have ran into Jane and Frigga and you know, what happened would have happened, but you can tell that he is already having regret just based on the vision that he saw of something he hadn't even done yet. Yep. And he holds his mom in such high regard. She was the one that was there for him in his childhood when Odin clearly favored Thor, you know, Frigga's his girl, Frigga's his mom and a great mom at that. This mother of his Frigga treated him like a son even though he was a Frost Giants child. It was not her child, but she treated him fully like he, he was her blood. Yeah, which is something he needed as somewhat of an outcast within his own family, mm-hmm. or more to the point that Thor was the golden child. Exactly. Thor is the god of thunder. He's the god of mischief. So who do you, you know, who's going to take the throne? Who's going to be the heir? And that's always been Loki's character development, you know, always feeling like he's under Thor, feeling like he's not good enough, and always trying to prove that he is. And that's pretty much his... That's pretty much his entire the point of what he was trying to do throughout his experience in the MCU, trying to take the throne of Asgard, you know, trying yeah. to prove that he's worth it. For sure. While we're on the topic of family, Loki tries to sneak in. Oh, I'm adopted. Sorry if I'm spoiling <laughs> that for you. And she's just like, no, nah, they they told me it was pretty cool of them. And he yeah. gets pissed like they told you what? Um, yeah. And, you know, they start talking about each other's moms. He asked, well, what was your mother like? And this is where we get uh, Sylvie doesn't remember her mom refers to her as just a blip 
of a dream at this point. And then Loki recalls fondly how his mom taught him spells. And before he knew magic, she would cast these magnificent fireworks over a lake or turn flowers into frogs and just believed in him and said, you know, someday you'll be able to do it too, because you can do anything. Just bolstering that idea that Frigga was always there for him and right. a great mom, even though it wasn't her real son. Right. So, um, Loki also starts showing a lot of interest in the enchantment spell, but she, at this point, is still holding those cards close to her chest. Like, I'm not going to tell you. I can show you. It might be easier that way. But Loki's having none of that. And that's when the waitress comes over with a couple glasses of champagne. Sylvie declines. So Loki takes a nice double of champagne. And this is where we get the uh, maybe love is hate bit where he's just like oh wait let me get that down and conjures up with yeah. will and a notepad and this is like the first time sylvie cracks a smile she's like oh come on like get off it already it, it is very interesting if it ends up being canon that she is lady loki because it just shows that depending on your life experience and how your timeline goes that you have different magic she uses enchantments he uses spells and illusions and he specifically even brings it up to her because he's all about illusions. He's like, so what is this? Are, are you, are you putting an illusion in their head and they're just following you? Is that how it works? She's like, eh, yeah. not exactly. So he's all about the illusion spells. And it's also very, very funny to see how he's like, well, well, we might need to rest. Why don't you take a little nap? And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, what on a train? And she's yeah. like, no, no, I don't do that while someone untrustworthy is with me. And it's so funny because in episode, what is it? Two, Loki is down for the count, taking a nice ass nap while him and Mobius are studying. He trusted Mobius enough, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I also thought the beginning of the scene, right when they're sitting down, Loki says, I can't sit on a train while it's going backwards <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, I can't sit with my back to it going forward. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, a, a freaking god of Asgard can't go on a train backwards. It's so funny. It's like Zoolander, a supermodel can't turn left. You ever yeah. see that? Movie? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's a classic. That is. So the next topic of discussion is Loki asks if Sylvie has a bow waiting for her mm. back home. And she's like, oh, of course I do. Like, I've been traveling dimensions for hundreds of thousands of years. Like, of course, I was able to maintain a relationship with a postman. Like, I don't know about you, Brian, because you didn't get to be on the WandaVision podcast, but... Soon as she said postman, I was just dying laughing, thinking of the postman from WandaVision because we kept thinking that he was a big deal throughout the entire mm. thing because they kept showing him. Obviously, yeah. it's not the same one, but they kept showing him and showing him and showing him. And everyone was like, what the hell is up with this postman? <laughs> what is his deal? And yeah. Luke specifically at the end of episode eight. So our episode eight podcast, we were doing like, what's your biggest gripes? And obviously, mm -hmm. uh, obviously uh, Evan Peters was a big one, Ralph Boner. But then he was like that goddamn postman. The postman. Pissed me yeah. off. <laughs> oh my gosh. Luke's gripe section must've been like half an hour. As <laughs> for WandaVision, that poor kid. Yep. I think he would really like this show. Maybe, maybe if he didn't have the podcast about it, we're going to get him back into the MCU. Yeah. I mean, of course he is going to watch again, but he just, when it, when it comes to podcasting and you put all your, all your off into it and you're taking all these notes, you have all these theories. WandaVision was a tough one for some of us, especially Luke, just because we put so much into it and it was a little bit of a troll job. So he was like, I'm going to take a break from the MCU pod. And then we said, good, because we're, we're all in <laughs> me, yeah. you and me, you and Paul. 
I honestly respected the hell out of Marvel for that troll job. I mean, I thought that having Evan Peters as Quicksilver and somehow making that work would have been amazing, but they completely got everybody. And yeah, I, I mean, was, Zach, I the comic guy, I think did say it best. He was like, listen, in a couple of years from now, when it's not as not as raw, we're going to laugh and we're going to say, damn, they got us with a Ralph Boner joke. And <laughs> it is kind of funny. But at the same time, the way they did it, at, it I'm still feeling it. I'm not going to. I mean, it is like if you trolled me and kind of were just like, you know, like you put Evan Peters in and you made us think he might be Quicksilver and then kind of just swerved us at the end. Fine. But the fact that they swerved us, called him Ralph Boner, made him completely nothing really to the plot at all. It was just it was just like too much for <laughs> it was it was tough. Well, yeah. I think I think Zach, the comic book guy is right. Once it's not a little raw, we're going to we're going to laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. But back to Loki, you know, Sylvie admits now I don't have a bow. She says I fuck around, but I don't have anything real. And then Sylvie asks Loki, like, what's your love life? Do you have any princesses waiting for you or perhaps any princes. And this is where we have Loki confirm a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Loki is confirmed canon bisexual. They already said he was gender fluid. This is a big deal. I read it's the first LGBTQ plus character shown on screen in the MCU. Especially a main character. If you can confirm that that's great. I actually wasn't sure if that was hundred percent confirmed, but if it is, that's awesome. Kate Heron said, on Twitter, I just want to put this uh, quote out there just because it, it is a really good quote. She said, from the moment I joined Loki, it was very important to me and my goal to acknowledge Loki was bisexual. It is a part of who he is and who I am, too. I know this is a small step, but I'm happy and my heart is so full to say that this is now canon in the MCU. Hashtag Loki, which is great because it's not doing it for the sake of doing it. You know, Loki is in the comic books, gender fluid. He is bisexual. He actually, I think the first time he comes out in the comic books is, uh, I believe I'm looking at my notes here, Young Avengers 15, a younger version of Loki, which again, it's supposed to be like a late teen version of him. So again, he's young. Um, During a celebration, he hits on one of the male uh, members of Young Avengers. And he says, my culture doesn't really share your concept of sexual identity. There are sexual acts. That's it. So, yeah, this is perfect. This is great. And and it was a nice way for them to drop it in episode three during Pride Month. Bravo. Yeah, 100%. Kudos to Marvel Studios. This is awesome. And like you said, it's not doing it for the sake of doing it. It made perfect sense. It wasn't highlighted with a spotlight. It was in passing. He said, yeah, I swing both ways. Princes and princesses. Princes and princesses. Exactly. And it's funny because... It just so happens with Ben's Town TV, we talk about this all the time because we cover shows like The Magicians, The Hundred, where characters with their gender fluidity or or their sexual orientation, it's just it's not like a thing. It's just it is love is love to them in the in their worlds, in their stories. They you know, they don't even bring it up. So, yes, Loki confirmed bisexual. It's awesome. And I read somewhere that it is bringing the MCU representation of Loki closer to the source material. So that's just all around great. Yep. Anyway, this parlays them into the next love is quote. And I think Sylvie comes up with, or maybe it's Loki saying love is mischief then. And they both agree that's not right either. So Sylvie then suggests that 
hey, we got a big mission ahead of us. We should rest. And Loki starts chugging on that champagne and says, you relax your way. I'll relax mine. So Sylvie nods off and Loki does what Loki does. Sylvie comes to, you know, wipes the gunk out of her eyes. Got a nice little cat nap. And she sees Loki back in his TVA jacket, just mm-hmm. flaunting it, singing for the entire train. And this guy is wasted. I love him. In Asgardian fashion, I actually saw a side-by-side of the first Thor movie where yeah. Thor throws it on the ground. I think it was Culture Crave. They do great work at Culture Crave. They do. Another. And Another. Loki did it in this episode. So good. As soon as I saw that, I started cracking up. Mm-hmm. Another. So Sylvie looks at this guy in the background, just a civilian, I guess, who is giving Loki the stink eye and then he walks off. Sylvie then goes to confront Loki. She's pissed. Like, why are you drunk? Where's your guard uniform? People are starting to notice like you can't do this. Loki, great line when someone calls you out for being drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm just full. But bear in mind, I am very full. (laughs) Um, and then he starts to get really profound and deep by saying, I finally figured it out. Love is a dagger, or you know, it'll make you bleed. You can see yourself in it, but then when you reach for it, it's gone. <laughs> so if he's like, That's ridiculous, man. That makes no sense. He's like, Yeah, it makes no sense at all. I thought I had it, damn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the man that gave him the stank guy returns with a couple guards, and Sylvie and Loki have to whoop some ass. And they do some ass whooping for sure. Oh, yeah. The fight choreography is, like I said, it's back. We had some gripes in the first two episodes, but it is back. Loki fights like a beast when he has his magic. And uh, Loki's magic is just really, really cool in it, general. And it, it's awesome. Yeah. And Sylvie has a couple awesome Black Widow moves that she does. I was wondering if the dagger miss was on purpose because she says you suck at throwing and I would assume that he yeah. doesn't suck, but it never really panned out to see. She kind of just reversed it and threw the guy's head against the dagger and we're in. And then we got to our climax where Loki gets smashed out the window, but yeah. well, he smashes someone out the window first and then he gets pushed out. But um, it was great choreography for both characters. It was really nice usage of his magic and really awesome usage of choreography fight wise for Sylvie. Definitely, yeah. She fights so awesome, like you said, just like Black Widow. Just agility, quick, nimble, all of the above. Mm -hmm. So Loki gets thrown out, and Sylvie is completely fine and taking care of herself, but she's like, oh, crap, I need to go after this guy because he has the temp pad. So she dives out the window, and they're off the train. There's no getting back on. They're kind of screwed, and even more to the point, Loki finally presents her with the temp pad and it got crushed when he got thrown out of the train. So they don't have the train to get to the Ark and the temp pad is broken. So Sylvie is kind of just starting to resign herself to shit. This is rage. I'm defeated. She does have that moment of rage where she just screams and like has an energy blast. And yeah, Loki is... Loki has to be the adult in the room here, and he does a really good job, in my opinion. Um, well, a little bit childish. She's like, why, why did you do this? Why didn't you just focus on the mission? And he says, I'm hedonistic. And Sylvie says, well, so am I. More than you, I assure you, but never at the expense of the mission. So she right. 
she's very serious. They are different Lokis in every sense of the term. She's very childish in some senses, but she was laser focused on the mission. And now he's being the adult in the room now that she's just too pissed. But he was a child that got them in this fiasco in the first place. So it's two very Loki Lokis that we're dealing with. And I mean, I I don't blame her rage and I don't blame her hatred, whether hatreds are probably not the right word, but her dislike at this point for Loki, because can you imagine she has her life's work pretty much? She's at the doors of the elevator to go up to see the timekeepers. And pretty much it's because Loki stopped her to have this conversation that Renslayer was able, able to catch up and they got into this predicament. So to her, yeah, I mean, Loki screwed up years and years of work for her. Yeah, totally justified, but... She does the scream and then she just kind of sits down and acknowledges that she's screwed. Loki comes over and kind of just like taps her on the shoulder. Like, did the scream help? Do you feel a little better? And it starts to bond with her a little bit. And then Loki's like, okay, it's not completely hopeless. You know, I know you said the arc always gets destroyed before it is able to leave the planet, but the arc has also never had us on it. So maybe we can change change the timeline again by getting on the arc, hijacking it and using our powers to make sure it leaves the planet. So, so that inspires a little bit of hope in Sylvie and, you know, they have this newfound energy and they start hoofing it towards the city where the arc is. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I obviously was specifically thinking that this was not going to work out just because first of all, this is an apocalyptic event. So as of now, nothing is being triggered as a next event, but if they stop the apocalypse from happening, meaning if they save anybody and the arc gets off the, the moon, then all these Nexus events start happening, right? So I just assumed it wasn't going to happen. I do have a theory that I want to get back to, but I'm not going to do it until the end of the episode. But it does have something to do with, with this uh, specific event. Gotcha. Sounds good. Yeah, I was... I think it was more that they didn't have enough time. I thought once they got off the train, the timeline just didn't suggest that they would be able to pull this off. But... There had to be a plan. They had to have one last ditch right. effort. And this one makes sense. Yeah. So they start hoofing it to the city. And Loki again brings up, how do these enchantment powers work? Like, come on, give me give me something. And Sylvie reveals, okay, I have to make physical contact. Then I grab hold of their mind. And most people are easy, but others, you know, with stronger mind get a little bit tricky. I'm in control, but they're there too. In order to preserve the connection, I have to create a fantasy from their past. She is describing exactly what she was doing to C-20 in the opening scene of this episode. Sounds a little bit like how Jedi control people's minds, but I don't know. Hmm. That's just that's just the Star Wars fan in me talking. Yep. So... Another quote that we have is that young soldier from the TVA's mind was messed up and cloudy. She had to pull or I had to pull a memory from hundreds of years prior before she even fought for them, meaning the TVA. And Loki is immediately like, wait, whoa, 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 what the what's going on? Yep. And he was just like, yeah, she was just a regular person on Earth, loved margaritas. And Loki says, well, I was told that everybody at at the TVA was created by the timekeepers for the sole purpose of the TVA. And she's like, that's ridiculous. They're all variants just like us. That's huge. That's very huge. And that's definitely a swerve off the comics because like I said, in episode one, they are specifically created by the TVA and they are cloned. So Mm -hmm. 
The only way the clone thing can work out is if Mobius was telling the truth. Maybe if the original Mobius was a human and then he's just cloned over and over so that his actual yeah. clone believes that he was created for his purpose. But yeah, I think that this is actually going off book here. So mm-hmm. what if it's true? Because again, we're getting ready to have this conversation off pod. If you believe Lady Loki, if you believe Sylvie that they are variants, then that is going off book from the, the comics. Is she trustworthy enough to believe that right now? I mean, I think it's a bombshell. I think that it is going to be real. What about you? I think it's true. And I don't think she would have any reason to lie about that specific piece of information. Also, the way she was talking was as if Loki already knew. So she didn't know it was a revelation to him. She was just speaking matter of factly. So I think it's true. Um, And my mind immediately went to our boy Mobius. I was just like, oh, my gosh. If Loki tells Mobius that he's a variant who's been lied to the whole time, Mobius is in the squad. And it's also hilarious. <laughs> I saw a couple things online, which I really hope is true. It's like people are thinking that the Mobius that we love is either a clone or actually a variant of a, a Mobius that was a real person in the 90s and actually liked the Wave Runners. Like actually yeah. at one point was a guy who was on Wave Runners and they're like, are we going to yeah. see our boy Mobius on a Wave Runner at some point in this? Like... <laughs> Dude, we gotta see him on a jet ski for sure. I also do want to point out that Sylvie did make a point to say that C20's mind was what is it? Uh, it was all messed up and cloudy, meaning that they have some mental manipulation done to them, probably yeah. by the timekeeper entities. My other theory was all of the grunts for the TVA are C20 or B15, they're bingo numbers. But Mobius has a name. Ravona Renslayer has a name. Maybe the grunts are the variants and middle management and above are actual kind of, you know, TVA employees that were made for the TVA by the timekeeper. I'm not exactly sure how it works. Uh, Yeah, I like that because there is also in the comics, the TVA uses these clones or Minutemen, however you want to say them, but they also use contractors. And those Mm -hmm. contractors are people with names. Now, Mobius isn't technically one either, but... That makes sense. It could just be that the the Minutemen are just clones. They're just, or I mean, are the variants. And then the actual named people, maybe they were created specifically for their job. We'll see. Yeah, for the purposes of this podcast, I am fully on Mobius doesn't know, but he's actually a variant so that it can be revealed to him. And then he's sympathetic to Loki's cause and Owen Wilson joins the squad. That's all I want. That's all I want, Jimmy. I'm getting a, I'm getting a couple Westworld vibes here, man. Yeah, a little bit, for sure. <laughs> when a they're starting bit. to... I don't want to do any uh, spoilers for our fans if they haven't seen Westworld, but there are similar things going on in Westworld. 100%. So, they arrive at the city after that bombshell of a revelation, and there's chaos going all over the place. There's a mob of people outside these gates. The loudspeaker saying five minutes till the art arc takes off and the gates close. So all these people are just going to die. They're not letting them in and chaos ensues as Loki and Sylvie attempt to go around to reach the arc. They're like, we can't go through this mob. We're going to have to go around. And this scene is just so great. They kind of, as they're starting to sprint around the mob, everybody looks up the entire mob freezes as the planet in the atmosphere just splits in half and these fragments get bigger and more frequent landing down on the, on the moon, the chaos is just rising. And we get this, this single shot 
the entire running away scene is one single camera mm-hmm. that just follows them the whole time. And it's just great. It's, it's pure chaos. They don't know if they're going to be able to make it, but this is their only chance. So they're just sprinting. They're fighting off guards. Loki has this awesome move where a pillar just like falls on him and he just goes like, yep. and it's like a reverse entropy thing. Shout out the magicians, reverse entropy go. spell. You know, they have this, really cool fighting side by side like exactly in unison do you remember that oh yeah like where they both do a kick at the same time like Mm -hmm. just showing that their fighting styles are kind of similar this scene was so great i i loved it it's almost a shame that this wasn't in movie theaters or imax because it was a cinematic experience like Mm -hmm. i had to watch it obviously on a tv Seeing this on a big screen, just everything happening at once, the planet exploding, them running through the chaos, the like you said, him stopping the building from falling on them. So well done. This whole entire episode has had phenomenal cinematography and CGI. Yeah, there was a lot of scenes, like even when they were just walking across the planet looking for something where it was just a wide shot of the whole planet and the landscape and the meteors falling just looked beautiful. And, and talk about what makes Loki a Loki and, and one of them being style. Our boy Loki's going through this whole planet, this dusty ass planet, this chaos, and he's doing it all on a certain tie because he wants to look fly. He doesn't, he could change his attire at any time. He can go back to his, his Loki Asgard outfit. He could do whatever he wants, but he's in his certain tie because he looks fly. He's digging the TVA jacket. Yep. <laughs> so it's a valiant effort, but as they get closer to the arc, Everybody looks up and you just hear it. It's a loud crash and a giant meteor just goes right through the arc and Mm -hmm. the entire mob just, the chaos stops. Everybody just kind of stands still and they, they all know they're going to die. And Sylvie, they're looking up at it and we just see Sylvie turn around and start walking away. And that's our episode. What an ending. Yeah. Great ending. What a cliffhanger. It's so funny because everyone's talking about the scene where you see Sylvie and Loki kind of just sitting there defeated talking and it it shows their shows the camera angle from behind them and you see the back of their heads. And it looks like in the original trailer for Loki, it looked like he was talking to to Black Widow and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, what is Black Widow doing? And she's supposed to be dead. Well, obviously, now we know it's going to be Sylvie. And because that scene was something in my head for a long time, I just assumed it would happen in this episode because it's obviously going to be the next scene after this. So everything happens and I'm just like, oh, man, they're going to, oh, Jesus. And then boom, it's over. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I thought we were going to get a little bit more here. So we got a nice little cliffhanger to start us off for episode four and theories, theories, theories. I mean, what what do you think? What's going to happen here? It has to be Mobius that bails him out. It it just has to be. He's the one that's privy to the whole apocalypse thing that that's where they hide. So he might be able to put together if he hears that Loki is with the variant, like, okay, if they used her temp pad, it would probably take him to a, an apocalypse. He's pretty invested in our Loki at this point. So I think he wants to seek them out and find them. Mobius is going to come through a time gate and bail him out. That's probably right. Like, that's exactly what I would think would happen. And I'm going to go tinfoily here just because when have I not ever? Um, I definitely think that our boy Mobius needs to intervene here. It would be very interesting to see him intervene and then have Lady Loki, Loki, and Mobius have to interact. And I still do think that the way this is going is Mobius is going to be 
still doing what he needs to do for the sake of his purpose, but off the grid pretty much working with Loki, but not with the TVA because he's going to be reprimanded pretty much what we said last episode. But if you want to get a little weird here, a couple of things that I was thinking about, I did see some theories online as well. Um, The first thing is that there's a comic series or a comic story arc. It actually wasn't that long ago. I think it was only like five or six years ago called agent of Asgard. And in this comic, there's an older version of Loki and he's in a time loop and he's going back to the past basically to make sure he becomes who he is at this point. So he's basically trying to self-fulfill, self-fulfilling prophecy, make sure he becomes the Loki that he wants him to be. Um, the reason why I even bring this up is because I saw that online people were talking about Lady Loki's helmet that she is wearing, her her headdress that she's wearing for most of the episode before she takes it off. And I believe she tries to stab the guy with it or something during one of the fights. If you get a close-up of it, it's so funny. I was watching the episode, and I paused for a second to take a note, and it paused it right on, and I took a note of it. One of the horns is broken, so she has one horn, and then one horn is half is half there. And that's exactly how Loki's headdress looks in that Agent of Asgard story. So they might just be using that as a little bit of an influence. So the way that I'm taking it is maybe there's some kind of travel time paradox where there is an older Loki, another Loki variant that's trying to make sure everything happens the way it's supposed to happen and maybe he saves them maybe this sylvie if you want to go back to the enchantress thing yeah if you want to go back to the enchantress thing i brought up the fact that sylvie lustin was a normal person who was given her powers by loki so maybe if she's part of this time travel story and always was a part of this time travel story maybe that's why she was always running away from the TVA. And that's why this Loki or, or the older Loki gave her her powers a long time ago, but to us, it'll be soon. What do you think? I think I like it a lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the quote that I brought up several times where she was just like, my mom is kind of just like a dream. I barely remember her. It's just a blip of a dream. That might be more important in the sense that she legitimately does not remember her mom because she did not have a relationship with Frigga because she was just some earthling given her powers by Loki. You know what I mean? So maybe she's a little bit more of the Sophie Lushton character than we think because me and you earlier in the episode were pretty definitive that she's going to be more Lady Loki than Enchantress. I would really like that if an older Loki came in and was just trying to make sure everything was flowing the way it was supposed to be. Man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and it, and it's hilarious because I saw that time travel paradox theory online and I totally added the end of it on the fly just now myself. So mm. as far as, as I've read online, people were just thinking about the Agent of Asgard story with the whole thing where he's older Loki trying to make sure everything happens as it should. But, I mean, I, I really do think that it could go in with this Sylvie Enchantress thing where – you know, she's a part of it too. And, and she gets her powers because of the whole time travel thing. And that's why she's been uh, hiding and, and running from the TVA her whole life because she's, whether she wanted to be or not, she was a straight up born variant almost. Okay. So you're saying the older Loki's giving her the powers inherently was the Nexus event. So right when she had the powers, she's been on the run ever exactly. since. Yeah, man. Yeah, baby. Ooh. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So we'll see. Here's one more. And I don't know if I want to put this as a higher vibe or if I just want to throw it at you, because I do think it's a little bit more. Tin- Actually, I don't know if it's a little bit more tinfoily, but let's do it. Higher vibe. 
this entire episode, starting from everything where they land in Lamentis, is an illusion for our Loki. Meaning Sylvie is enchanting him. Yes. I'm going to go high. Okay. I'm going to... Hmm. I'm going to go high. Yeah. Only, mm, only because she was about to carry out her plan. And I don't think she would have had the time to sit in a corner and enchant our Loki. Also, what would the purpose of it be? Because she's several times said, I don't care previously before this episode. I don't care about you, Loki. I'm committed to my own mission. I'm doing my own thing. So yeah. I don't think she would have a lot of reason to do that. So I'm going to say hi. I think that I agree with you because the biggest thing to me is, is how, when is there time to do it? Because mm -hmm. I would assume that everything up to, like you said, the golden elevators is part of canon, the storyline. Yeah. Unless you're saying even that's part of the illusion, which, okay. I mean, maybe all the way up till when they go through the, the time, you know, maybe they never went through to the TVA. Maybe they both ended up at another place and all of that, is an illusion okay maybe that can be it but otherwise it just doesn't seem like there's time but i did see um a couple things people were talking about as to why they think maybe this isn't fully like real world real life because number one you brought up yourself the fact that loki was using the telekinesis or something to stop the building i mean we've never really seen him have that kind of power before um, he usually doesn't have that kind of power. So people were wondering why they all, all of a sudden are going to give that to him. The other thing that people were saying, and again, this could just be a play on words here, but Loki being of Asgard, he even speaks Latin in, in episode two. If you look at the planet's name, Lament, or the, yeah, the planet's name, Lamentis, part of it, Mentis in Latin means mind. So it's a little bit of a mind F, if we could say that. So who knows? Again, Lamentus is a real thing in the comics. It's right. just people trying to, to grab shit. I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it's bullshit. You know what I mean? Okay. What is your gut telling you, higher vibe? My gut's telling me high. Like, I think the yeah. other theory is more of a vibe than this one, to be honest. Um, my last theory here is going to be if we don't have this agent of Asgard story and we don't have your boy Mobius saving them, what if Loki has one of the stones, the Infinity Stones? What if he actually did steal one and he can use it because they're not in the TVA anymore and it's the time stone? The TVA and it's the time stone. Okay, I would really like that. However, I feel like Loki would have played that hand that. Yeah. Yes. We know that he was messing with it. He even picks up one of them when, mm. when he's with, I believe his name's Casey, right? He picks it up and he's like, oh, you know, holy shit, it's a paperweight. I mean, if I'm Loki and I think it, I'm going to get out of there at some point, we know he just goes and they disappear. So mm. he might have just grabbed one and hit it. So if he has the time stone, he wants to use it at the perfect time. Well, maybe that's the perfect time. We know they're getting out of it somehow. I'm banking on Mobius because Owen Wilson can do no wrong. And I would love to see him jet ski in yeah. shining armor. And just yeah. be like, get on Loki's. We're getting out of here. But Jim, if you're good, then I'm going to wrap this I'm episode. Good. People keep an eye out for our continued coverage of Loki. We're going to be covering each episode week by week as they come out. Another banger, three strong episodes. I'm really into this show. 
As always, if you like what you heard, give Benchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BenchtownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Benchtown TV, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.